That time I, I slapped my leg instead of my hand, instead of doing a clap. On purpose? Or yeah, did you miss your hand? You no, know, I'm, I'm no, I did it on purpose because I'm in a weird, like, sort of pretzely position. Because as I mentioned to you <laughs> earlier, we are in the middle of a rain and thunderstorm here on the East Coast. So I'm in, like, a pillow blanket fort <laughs> situation. <laughs> and it's just easier. Is there like, do you have a flashlight and is there a sheet over your head? There's a blanket over my head for sure. And I, is there really? There is. Yeah. Yeah. Cause my, like, if not, you, this, the ceiling uh-huh. is just too echoey. So when you say it's over your head, do you mean like it's like you're underneath a blanket? I am underneath a blanket. I am straight up pillow fort land right now. It is like I have a chair and I have a like side table that are holding a blanket up over my head literally oh i see okay Mm -hmm. so it's like suspended above your head you're not like hidden underneath a blanket oh it is suspended but the reason i'm in a pretzely position is because i don't want it touching my head so i have to kind of like yeah yeah duck down (laughs) oh god duck tails (laughs) (sighs) wow well the things we do for our listeners you're welcome yeah hi how's it going great great how are you (laughs) great great um, I am excited that the TV show is coming out next week. Oh my gosh. The more, they really know what they're doing on this marketing team. They are just teasing me with these delicious little morsels of yes. like everything you send me, I get more and more excited. And I did not see this cause I'm not much, much on the Twitter, but I mentioned it to you. Those little emojis they made for the wheel of time. <laughs> I know they're only on Twitter. I just want them for everyday use. So, so bad. Cute. Yeah. <laughs> so cute. Did Did you see I sent you I think I sent you this link. Sometimes I'm I try to always send the same thing to you and my brother. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um so I, but so I think I sent you this, but did you see that they are releasing animated content that explore that it explains the Age of Legends up to the breaking Ooh. so that like people have, like, more context of the world prior to when the show starts. I did not see that. Yeah, and it looks good, and it's going to be available on Amazon, so I'm oh, excited nice. about that, too. I did look up the video you told me about where Rafe uh, breaks down the trailer. Oh, yeah. Love that. Yeah. Listeners, Matt and I have... We we had a, uh, a work meeting. <laughs> <laughs> we... On the agenda was how we want to deal with the TV show, and what we have decided is that this episode that you are currently listening to is going to be the last episode where we talk about the chapters in The Shadow Rising that we're reading currently. For now. and For now. For now. Yes, for now. And from now until January, our episodes are just going to be about the TV show, and then we will pick back up with The Shadow Rising in January. Yes. I, I wish we could do both. In a perfect world, I would be like, yeah, we'll just do both. But uh, I know yeah. myself, and I think the quality <laughs> of both will be very poor if I try to put the all on my plate along with our other podcast yeah. and my just crazy life. So, yeah, yeah, it's gonna be great. Agreed. I'm so excited. I'd rather just dedicate my whole, I'd rather dedicate my whole world to watching the Wheel of Time or TV oh, in general. God. <laughs> I think sometimes I'm like, there, so there's a. Uh, 
she's called like their book expert or something like that. Her name is Sarah Nakamura. And um, she's like a a big, she's a Watt head. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And she actually works for Rafe and, and the other showrunners with Amazon to kind of like be their brain for the source materials and uh-huh. be able to be like, no, you can't do that because that'll fuck up X, Y, and Z. Oh. And if, if if they, Sarah, if you're listening to this, if anybody knows Sarah, if Sarah ever needs an assistant or something like that, oh. I would, I would die. I would just die. Dream job. <laughs> Dream job. Honestly. <sighs> okay. The one thing we haven't figured out though is how we're going to deal with the series or not series season finale because it comes out on december 24th and i don't know what your holidays are like and if you'll want to record that following weekend because it would be i guess it would be christmas day and the day after christmas oh um i definitely christmas season is my favorite season christmas is my favorite holiday so i definitely will not want to record christmas weekends but we can maybe figure out something maybe we could figure something out we'll see like early the following week or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. We'll okay. We'll we'll figure something out. Okay, sounds good. All right. Well, I have one, two, three, four, six items to discuss with you, and you have zero to discuss with me. It appears. I think so. I couldn't. I don't think I really had a very eventful week. <laughs> <laughs> um, item number one is I at at listeners' suggestions at. Friends on the Twitter of Time suggestions. I have started reading Brandon Sanderson, who is he picks up as co-author on the mm. last three books of Wheel of Time after Robert Jordan dies. Uh-huh. Um and I'm reading his I don't I think the series is called The Way of Kings. <sighs> oh. Everybody else seems to love it. I'm not loving it so far. Okay. Uh, I think I'm going to keep going just because everybody else speaks about it with such love. Uh, but I'm, it's, it, hasn't, it hasn't sucked me in yet. So listeners, if you have some words of encouragement or, or thoughts on how to persevere, uh, I would appreciate them. <laughs> are, you, are you taking into account, like, are you making sure to put the the wheel of time aside and looking at it as its own separate total thing and not gauging it against wheel of time. I think uh, I'm trying to, that's definitely something really hard for me to do because wheel of time is so like ingrained in my brain. Uh, I don't know. I just don't know yet. There's, here's my problem so far. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of made up words, which yes, I know that is true in the wheel of time as well, but it feels like, every other word is something made up and then explained. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so it's just like, I'm I'm like, I don't need 7,000 new concepts thrown at me right now. I need you to hook me into a story. Yeah. And it I, it just hasn't yet, but I'm going to keep trying. So okay. we'll see. TBD. TBD. Um, my other item, one of them is, have you... Do you ever find yourself just like, I want to watch something on, like, YouTube that's kind of, like, fun and mindless? Yes. I have recently gotten into watching people play, um, they're, like, do speed runs of, like, playing a video game and, like, seeing how fast they can beat it. And sometimes it's, like, they know tricks to, like, float through the wall and shit like that. But sometimes they're actually just, like, really good at the game and, and play it well and fast. Um... And so I've just been like, you know, when I'm like sitting eating lunch or something and I just kind of want something to be happening, like I want pretty flashing lights for my brain. 
Um, and I've just been really enjoying watching speedruns on YouTube of like classic NES and SNES games, um, which is like a really fun way to re-experience those games without having to personally deal with the like technological shortcomings of them yeah, you know because like sometimes yeah. like final fantasy games or like right now i'm replaying dragon quest the original oh, one and i only play it for like six minutes at a time because the game itself is like pre- it's like very focused on just like grinding up levels and yeah. so i'll play it for a couple minutes do a couple battles and then quit and so doing a speed run you kind of get to like re-experience the game without having to like deal with those things yourself mm-hmm. uh and so it's just kind of like a fun way to re-experience something that you're like oh i remember that game so and if you're ever in need, I recommend looking up just people playing video games on YouTube. That's fun. I like to do that. When I'm looking for things, I like to go and watch, like, old um, games being reviewed by either, like, the Angry Video Game Nerd or the the guys that continue. Mm. That's another good one. There's a podcast. Yeah. Podcast. There's a YouTube channel called Continue or John Tron. I love watching like old games being reviewed and mm-hmm. <laughs> and played. Have you? And all do you that. ever watch? Do you ever watch the honest trailers for video oh, games? Yeah. Oh, for video games, Those, no. Yeah. Yeah, there's honest trailers for movies and TV shows, but there's also, I think it's maybe like honest reviews for video games, and they're fucking hilarious. Oh, so I definitely recommend checking that out. Um, the last thing I'll mention today is that I recently saw an article where they're talking about the Wheel of Time TV show. And I can't remember who says it, but I think it was Rosamund Pike who says that we will see a lot more naked men in the Wheel of Time than we will see naked women. And that's a big change for the fantasy world. And I'm here for it. I'm so here for that. And I am ready for it. (laughs) (laughs) Especially based on the cast that we've seen so far. Oh, my God. They're all so attractive. They really are. They really are. All right. Shall we get into the book? Yes, I'm... I'm excited. Well, this is chapter 18. The book, or the chapter title is called Into the Ways. Um, you're, you like musicals, don't you? Yes, I have not seen the movie Into the Woods, but I've seen, like, productions of Into the Woods. <laughs> you knew exactly where I was going with that. I mean, I... how could you have read Into the Ways and not hear Into the Woods? Well, I've never heard the song, but here's what <laughs> I do know. On the Gilmore Girls... Paris is like trying to psych out her competition for like a speech writing contest. And one of her competitors is like this boy who went and did like Broadway shows as a little kid. And she sings like into the woods, into the woods. And that's all I know about it. But still that like cycles through my head whenever I read, read the title of this chapter. Into I, the mean, ways. I challenge anybody in this day and age to read into the ways and not, and, and not hear the words into the woods. Especially, it's a movie now, too. Like, it, it, come on. It is? It was a movie, yeah. Oh, yeah. I okay, don't think okay. it was well-received. Right. I've never seen it. But, I mean, Meryl Streep mm-hmm. is in it, so that's something. Yeah, she's a good actress. But she makes mistakes. <laughs> Even Louis Vuitton makes mistakes. <laughs> All right. So, the chapter icon for this chapter is the trefoil leaf, which indicates that it is a chapter about... The ways, hence the title of the chapter as well. And we are with Perrin. And the chapter unfortunately starts with him putting on clothes. Um, And he's getting dressed, ready to leave Tyr to head back to the two rivers via the ways with Loyal and regrettably Fayil. Mm -hmm. And he's kind of like looking at his belongings and he he looks at the axe and he, he hates the axe, but he's like, I need this. And so he 
belts it on anyway, even though he would much rather get rid of it. Mm -hmm. And he's all melancholy, like thinking about, you know, he's going home, blah, blah, blah. Um, He leaves his room and outside is Gaul. And Gaul has all of his traveling supplies, but Gaul is alone. And Perrin is like, hey, bud, like, I thought you said other Aiel might be coming. And Gaul says, like, none of them chose to come. Sorry about it. They've, they're all tired of being in the wetlands. They say it's like trying to breathe water. We're tired. <laughs> they want to go home to the, to the waste. Yeah, and they want to live. <laughs> yeah, and they want to live. So Perrin is like, yeah, I get it. But, of course, inside he's like crestfallen because he had he had allowed himself a moment of hope thinking like i've got this big group of aiel coming with me and maybe they can drive off the white cloaks and it'll keep me from being killed by them but now he's like well that doesn't look like it's gonna happen yeah perrin makes gall promise that if perrin gives the word that he will take fail away even if she doesn't want to go and to see her safely out of the two rivers and Gaul is like, I'll do what I can, but sounds kind of doubtful. Mm-hmm. They make their way out of the stone, and along the way, Perrin notes that there are very few people, and is like, where are they all? And Gaul comments that Rand had summoned everyone to the heart of the stone, but we don't really know why yet. They make their way out of the stone and head toward the stables, where they are going to be meeting Loyal and Fael. And they see that Loyal and Fael are not alone. They are joined by Bane and Chiad. And Perrin is like, oh, that explains why you kind of hesitated and why you expressed that you might not be able to get Fael away because they're with her. And Gaul explains that, like, yeah, um, Chiad is Gaussian uh, clan and our clans have a blood feud, so... It, this could be tense. And Gaul also explains that these two maids of the spear had essentially found the argument between Fael and Perrin fascinating. <laughs> and they just kind of want to see how it plays out. So they're literally just here for the drama. Literally here for the drama. They can't wait. They're like the, um, her backup dancers. <laughs> they're her, they're her hype girls. Yes. <laughs> so... Uh, they they like Fael also, and so they agreed to join her. Um, and Perrin says, like, well, as long as they keep her out of trouble, which Gaul throws back his head and laughs at, which Perrin is like, oh, wasn't making a joke, but okay. <laughs> so there's a little bit of a back and forth between the groups, and Loyal is, like, looking at both Perrin and Fael, and is like, humans, you are fucking ridiculous. And... Fael kind of like sidles up to Perrin and is and says to him, just ask, you're making this much harder than it needs to be. And then RJ writes, but then the Stone of Tear rang like a monstrous bell. Oh, wait, no, I wrote that. But then the Stone of Tear rang like a monstrous mm-hmm. bell and everything shakes and vibrates. And Perrin shouts, we ride. And they all gallop out of the city. And we get a little bit of a internal monologue where Perrin kind of like feels the pull of Taveran, like pulling him back to Rand and he's like racing away to break it. And they make it out of the city to a little hilltop. And Loyal is like, what was that? Was that Rand? And Perrin says like, I don't know. But actually, Ellen, that's not true. Because Perrin did feel the pull of Rand. Um, and so he knew that that was him. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that video? No. Of Dakota, Dakota Johnson, I think it is, and Ellen? I don't think so. <gasps> Matthew, you are missing out on possibly one of the best uh, videos that's oh, ever happened oh. on the internet. Is it where she where, was invited uh, to the party? She lied yes. about being invited to the party? 
Yes. Where Ellen's like, how was your birthday party? I wasn't invited. And Dakota Johnson just goes, well, actually, Ellen, that's not true. You were invited. I love that. That's right. (laughs) So good. So the Aiel catch up to them on the horses just a minute or two later. And and Fael is kind of amazed at how they caught up with them so quickly. And they're not really out of breath, even though they were on horseback galloping. Uh, so we just more insight into how badass the Aiel are, that they're almost able to keep up with horses and they're barely winded from running. Mm-hmm. I would be dead. I wouldn't have made it. Oh, forget it. I would have been like five steps <laughs> out and been like, nope, this was a mistake. Yeah, I'm gonna just going to go back to the, the Stone of Tear. Good luck, guys. Okay, so they make it to the Waygate, and as we learned in previous books, the Waygates used to be surrounded by beautiful Ogier groves, and this one had, has just been, like, leveled, and now it's just, like, grass. And Loyal is furious about this and is essentially, like, grumbling angrily about humans tearing down the Ogier groves, and... Perrin is looking at how pissed Loyal is and kind of remembering back to him guarding the door full of, or the room full of children against Myrdral and Trollocs alone. And he remembers this idiom that that says, like, anger the Ogier and you pull the mountains down on your head. Essentially, like, they're not somebody that you want angry with you, Mm -hmm. (laughs) turns out. Loyal's very much like, you paid paradise and you put up a parking lot. In what way? (laughs) <laughs> because they they took away the Ogier Grove oh, and they, they leveled yes. it and they just, you know, they cut down trees for humanity. Lot. You're right. I get it now. <laughs> in the very little so way. they get to the... <laughs> yeah. In, in like the... I thought you were talking about the Ogiers getting mad and I was like, oh. how does that have to do with paving Because Joni Mitchell okay. had such a reputation for her anger. <laughs> right. Okay. So they get to the Waygate, and Loyal opens it, saying, quote, Once it is said the Waygates shone like mirrors, and those who walked through the ways walked through the sun and the sky. Gone now, like this grove. And, of course, we see sort of like the dull, gross, foggy, yucky, darkness mirror of the Waygate. Which, by the way, have you seen the video of the Waygate opening for no, the TV show? I didn't even know that. I didn't even know that was a Waygate until you told me last week. Oh, okay. I'll see if I can find that. Or listeners, if you can uh, track down the just the image of the Waygate opening and, and send it to Matt on Discord or tweet it to me and I'll give it to him, that would be amazing. Okay, so Perrin, like, the, the Waygate opens and Perrin, being stubborn, even though he's supposed to, like, follow Loyal and Fael, he just, like, trots through first, which Fael, like, gasps angrily at. But he, like, disregards it and is, like, inside and... As with the last time we were inside the ways, we learn like once you're inside, everything outside appears to be moving in like super slow motion because time moves kind of differently. Um, but after a minute, Gaul comes through the way gate after Perrin and says, Fiola's upset with you. And uh, he says, She seems to she seems to think you have broken some sort of agreement. Bane and Chiad do not let them get you alone. They mean to teach you a lesson for Fael's sake, and you will not sit on that animal so easily if they manage what they plan. <laughs> so they're gonna they're gonna beat Perrin's butt. So the t- Perrin and Gaul. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye. So the two of them are inside the ways alone, and Perrin is like, you know what? Let's go to the first guidepost. We don't need to wait for them. Like, we can wait for them there. And Gaul is like, do you know what you're doing? And Perrin says, no, but Fael doesn't need to know that. And Gaul laughs and 
says, oh, it's fun to be so young. Is it not Perrin? And Perrin's like, I don't get it. (laughs) And then the chapter concludes with Perrin thinking to himself that he wants to be completely out of sight by the time Fael comes through the way gate, uh, letting her think that he'd gone on without her and hopes that she's worried for a few minutes until she found him at least. And it was the least that she deserved. And that is the chapter Into the Ways. I love that. I... I noticed I in this chapter that, and I don't know, I've, I think I've noticed it before too, when RJ writes a Perrin chapter, a Perrin perspective, there's a lot of like specific words he used that are very like wolfy and animalistic, like how Perrin mm. trots rather than runs and he he growls and snarls when he's upset. And yeah. um, I just think it's so clever. These just little literary the little devices. Word yeah, I just, oh God, I love the way he writes. Yeah. Same. Love it. Okay. Well, chapter 19 is called The Wave Dancer. And it's a new icon. New icon alert. It is the... (laughs) Trend alert. Trend alert. (laughs) It's the star and gulls I read. And these chapters indicate (laughs) sea folk. Exciting. Yeah. This is your first kind of... New people. Yeah, you've never met them, have you? No, no, not really. I've met people who say no, they're no. from like air. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> oh my gosh. And the title is Wave Dancer, which made me think of Do you remember from our childhood a toy slash commercial called Ribbon Dancer? I mean, I know about ribbon dancing, but no oh, wait. It was like a stick no, with I don't a ribbon think so. on it. Well, yeah, was... that's like for ribbon, like in the gymnastic, in the Olympics. Yeah, yeah. But there Rhythmic was a, gymnastics. a toy okay. that was called Ribbon Dancer that they marketed on TV. Like the same time they were doing like moon shoes and things like that. And it oh, had a God. little song and it went, Ribbon Dancer riding on the wall, Ribbon Dancer up and then it falls. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do remember that. I wanted it. It's, I think it was essentially a big ribbon like taped to a stick. I wanted it. Oh, that's so all bad. it is. Yeah, but th- it was yeah. probably like 1999. Um, I'm sure. I wanted it so bad, and it's like when I came out of the closet. These are the moments I think about <laughs> when I want to tell my family. Did- Were you shocked? <laughs> did I? Um, did I tell you that I once bought Miles a ribbon dancing ribbon for Christmas one year? Shut up! No. I did. No, I think he still has it, but literally all it is is like ribbon taped to a stick, but it's uh, rainbow colored and sometimes I get some performances with it. <laughs> oh, you're so you're so lucky. <laughs> Am I though? <laughs> oh, in any event, this is an Elaine chapter, which is exciting. And mm-hmm. Elaine is with Nynaeve and they're being ex- escorted escorted to Mall by four gray sisters and a random lord. And it says in the book, the air smelled of tar and rope, fish and spices and olive oil, of nameless things rotting in the stagnant water between the piers, and peculiar long yellow-green fruits in huge bunches heaped in front of the stone warehouse behind her. Um, It's not four gray sisters, it's four gray horses. Oh my god, I thought it was four gray sisters. No. <laughs> oh my god. And th- I'm reading the sentence right now because I was like, four gray sisters. Um, 
it's saying it he said refers to them as four greys but it's like behind it's the carriage that they're in being pulled by four gray oh horses my gosh that's so funny because when i read the four grays i was like four grays and my first thought was like gray men and i was like that doesn't make any sense mm. so it must be gray sisters how would i know those are horses well they're pulling a carriage <laughs> oh my gosh okay imagine if there were four gray aja pulling a carriage <laughs> maybe they were weaving like a ropes out of wind maybe well, in any event this description is exactly how I'd picture, like, a Fisher's Wharf-like town to smell, number one. And number two, we haven't talked about food in a long time. So long. I was just thinking that. So long. So this moment with the yellow-green fruits, those are bananas, right? They have to be bananas. Yes. Yeah. Do you like bananas? I'm, yes, I'm very, very particular. They cannot have any spots of brown, and I prefer it if there's just, like, a hint of green at Mm. the stem. Okay. Bananas are my favorite fruit. Favorite. By favorite a mile. fruit? No, that, no. Sorry. I, nobody has bananas as their favorite fruit. Yes, they do. It's me. I'm obsessed. Bananas are my favorite fruit. I could eat 100 bananas every day. Love the smell of bananas. Love the taste of bananas. Love banana flavored. Uh, I even like false banana flavor, even though I know it's very different than actual banana. But like banana f- uh-huh. Laffy Taffy, for instance, love it. Do you know what is really good with bananas? A lot of things. Peanut butter, chocolate, uh, honey. What else? Grape nuts. Anywho, cereal. I think cereal is great (laughs) with bananas. But I don't consider grape nuts a cereal. I consider it like an industrial sort of um, thing. (laughs) Like sawdust or like um, something you would insulate with maybe. Um, (sighs) Maybe something you would put in a bag and beat somebody with. I don't know. Um... (laughs) Oh my gosh. So nasty. The fact that bananas are described as something unusual to her, that is not the kind of world I want to live in. Not one where bananas are scarce. I love bananas so much. I want to eat one right now. Did you know that, like, I I remember reading something about how, like, 90% of the bananas in the world are a specific genetic variant that we have, like, bred over time. And that there's a disease that they're super susceptible to. And so there's actually, like, a really strong possibility that... In the future, bananas might go entirely extinct because we have prevented them from, like, uh, producing variants. I have heard that. And you know what? I think scientists need to drop everything and get on it (laughs) because that is not – my children (laughs) will not know a world where bananas are not a thing anymore. We will not be looking at bananas in a museum or a textbook. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So Elaine notices that the people here are all pretty downtrodden and they don't make eye contact with them or anyone that they see as like nobles. And she realizes it's like a really stark contrast to the way her mother had taught her to rule. And she hopes that Rand will be different and that she'll see a change when she returns. And then she thinks to herself, if there's even a point to coming back. So, she sees in the distance the raker that they're meant to ride across, and she thinks about the sea folk and how, like the Aiel, they'd always just been like a detail or a character in stories for her that make things more exotic. And I'd argue that's how other fantasy series treat people of color when they represent them at all. And I wonder if this is RJ's way of sort of like pointing that out in like a little secretive way. (sighs) Maybe. I don't know. 
So I picture Elaine having this like introspective moment, like looking off in the distance and smelling the bananas and the all this kind of stuff. <laughs> and then Nynaeve barrels out of the carriage behind her and says, tumbled about like a hen in a windstorm, thumped like a dust- <laughs> thumped like a dusty rug. How did you manage to find every last rut and hole between here and the stone, good man? That took true skill. A pity none of it goes into handling horses. <laughs> she is so pissed. beastly. I love it. Oh my god. Elaine is like the embarrassed like spouse in this scenario. Like taking the guy aside oh, and god. being like, sorry, thank you so much for your service. I know it's not your fault. She gives him like an extra tip and probably mouths to him like, sorry. <laughs> yeah, fully. And Nynaeve is very like Vicky Gumbleson. Like, this is unacceptable. How dare you bring this carriage to us? And, uh... A family van for seven people! (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And Nynaeve is like, okay, so he goes away, and she's like, I guess I could have been nicer. And Elaine is like, yeah, you could have. And Nynaeve is like, well, what do you want me to do now? Chase him down and apologize? You already gave him a massive tip, which, by the way, you are way too generous. And Elaine thinks of how tight with money Nynaeve is, and says, She always seemed to think they should live worse than servants unless there was reason not to, instead of the other way around, as made sense. And I really like that line, because it just shows the vast difference between, like, Elaine, who grew up in a palace, yeah, and, you know, Nynaeve, who grew up in a village, and how different they are based on how they lived, and it reminds me of being around people who are like, I'm so broke, I have to skip a vacation, while I'm, like, eating Mm. a buttered roll in the corner that I ate, (laughs) so I wouldn't overdraft my bank account. (laughs) Yeah. So, Elaine cautions Nynaeve and says, the sea folk, from what I hear, can be a little touchy, so... If they don't trust you, you need to be careful. So could you be, like, a little... And Nynaeve's like, a little what? <laughs> or what? Very Erica. Or what? <laughs> and uh, Elaine says, tactful for once. <laughs> and Nynaeve agrees, as long as they don't bounce her about. They head to the long, narrow boat, and Elaine looks at it and is like, oh, they're going to bounce you about. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but she wonders, you know, what's in store because, you know, she hasn't even ever met any of the, uh, how do you say, I'm only going to say this like once or twice, but I feel like I should know how to say it. Is it Athean Mier? I just say Athen Mieri, but I know that somebody's going to be really upset by that. So let's just stick with Sea Folk. Okay. I'm just curious what people think out there. So someone in the Discord or someone out there, let us know. So these men, she describes them as being barefooted, dark, and bare-chested with tattooed hands, gold chains, and multiple gold earrings in their ears as well. The women she sees aboard, she notes are all beautiful and graceful, just like she's heard of in the stories, but two of them stand out among the rest as, you know, seeming to have some sort of rank. And one of them Mm -hmm. is in blue silks and the other one in green. And the older of the two is in green, and she has four earrings in each ear and a nose ring that attaches to one of those earrings with a golden chain with these medallions hanging from them. It's a Pandora bracelet. Oh, God. Sorry. That was, uh, listeners, Matt and I just recorded an episode of our other podcast where we talked about Pandora bracelets, and I (laughs) forgot that uh, we weren't on the same podcast. (laughs) It's a Pandora bracelet. One of the charms is like a a cup, a coffee cup. One is a a soccer ball. (laughs) 
<laughs> one's a martini glass. <laughs> she also notices that they have these uh, pierced lattice box sort of charms at the end of their necklaces that are clearly filled with something because they hold them up to their nose and smell them occasionally. The younger one has the same kind of thing, but she has three earrings in each ear instead, and she has fewer medallions on her Pandora bracelet chain. As they approach <laughs> them up the ladder, which are actually stairs, but they have to call them ladders because they're using the correct terms they learned from Moraine about what the sea folk use to describe things, they climb up the ladder to the deck, and Elaine smells the perfumey scent coming from their necklaces, and she notices that the tattoos are of stars and seabirds, and they have these swirling waves around them. Mm-hmm. Nynaeve greets them and uses the exact phrasing Moraine had taught them, adding in that they are of the green Aja, which Elaine remembers that amused Moraine a lot when they practiced with her. And they respond to her, I am Coin Dinjubai. Is that right? Coin? Um, it's C-O-I-N-E. Yeah. I think I said something like Cohen. I'm gonna call her Coin until we're until I'm corrected. <laughs> All right, <laughs> it's gonna be too hard for me to change it now. So she says, "I am Coin Dinjubai, Wild Winds, Sail Mistress of Wave Dancer. This is Jorin Dinjubai, White Wing, my sister of blood, my sister of the blood, and Windfinder of Wave Dancer." There may be passage available if it pleases the light. The light illumine you and see you safe to your journey's end. Elaine keeps noting how similar Joran seems to Abienda to her, and she wishes it was her that they were dealing with more because she feels more comfortable with her. She doesn't seem as intimidating. And Nynaeve asks if they can talk, and Coin guides them to her cabin. Elaine notes all of the odd things in the room, like a square brass gong and a strangely shaped ivory knife or two, and uh, she sees a familiar helmet and gasps, Shanchan. And in this moment, Coin mentions that the Wave Dancer encountered a Shanchan ship the previous year, and this is basically all that remains of it. And they keep it as a reminder to basically stay away. And Nynaeve is like, well, you're lucky that they didn't have someone on Mm. board to channel because you would have been... Dead in the water. Dead in the water. And Elaine is thinking, this is not tactful. But (laughs) the pair of women do not show any reaction. They're very stoic. And they instead change the subject to their rites of passage and where they wish to go. A serving girl enters with tea, and she has one earring in each ear, and she's naked to the waist with shocks both Nynaeve and Elaine, but Nynaeve is, of course, more outwardly shocked. Coin orders her out to go clean the bilges, which, I don't know, I guess that's part of the boat, and that's an area where garments are a hindrance. And uh, I just like the little nuances in each of the characters' chapters, like I was talking about with Perrin, because I notice a lot in Elaine's chapters so far. She's, like, figuring out customs and who is who and what they mean to each other, and she's sort of, like, interested in the class system and what do these earrings mean and who is is uh, at the top of the chain and how do they rank. And it's just another clever way of showing, like, her upbringing in, like, a palace and where her focus has been, you know? Mm-hmm. Also, free the nipple. I'm about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where the phrase tits out for the boys or tits out for the girls came from, but that's all I could think of. Here it is. <laughs> Sounds very summer house. Um, yeah. 
So they have this tea that they're drinking, and it's hot, unsweetened, and bitter. And I'm imagining it's like a chicory sort of tea, or like a <laughs> like a dandelion leaf tea, like one of those medicinal feeling ones, you know? I couldn't. I I I don't know what chicory tastes like, but all I can think about is Chikorita, the Pokemon. <laughs> it does not taste like a Chikorita Pokemon. <laughs> it's more like I think it's like coffee-ish, if anything, like a coffee, like a chicory? bitter tea. Yeah. I always kind of thought it was like nutmeg e. It kind of is. It has like a a bitter flavor to it. It it kind of is for your stomach. I've, well, I've only ever had it when I've had like a stomach ache. But that's what I imagine it's kind of like. And Coin apologizes if they were offended by, you know, the the servant girl. And Elaine says, only a fool takes offense at customs different from her own. Okay, Elaine. Progressive ahead of your time. <laughs> Nynaeve says they mean to sail to Tanchico and offers them a paper for their troubles of, you know, having to alter their course. And on that paper is a letter of rights that Moraine had given them which issues the bearer of it to gain 3,000 gold crowns in various cities. And Coin says, yeah, I'm very surprised by this because most Aes Sedai don't even ask the Sea Folk for travels because evidently Aes Sedai are the only group that the Sea Folk can turn away outright, you know, even yeah. with a price. So it's kind of unusual that they even were asking. And Nynaeve pipes up a bit and is like, you know, why did you bring us here if you mean to refuse us? <laughs> And Coin looks out the window and says the, and says that the prophecy is clearly being fulfilled based on all that they've been seeing and all that they've been hearing. And Elaine says, you know, of parts of the prophecy that yes, the they, the dragon reborn has come, and you know the prophecies are being fulfilled. And she corrects them and says it's not the prophecies of the dragon, it's the Jendai prophecy that she's referring to, the prophecy of Koromor. So she shares more with them, and this is, like, just a quote from her. It says, At the breaking of the world, our ancestors fled to the safety of the sea, while the land heaved and broke as storm waves do. It is said they knew nothing of the ships they took to flee, but the light was with them, and they survived. They did not see the land again until it was once more. They did not see the land again until it was still once more, and by then, much had changed. All, everything, world drifted on the water and the wind. It was in the years after that the Jendai prophecy was first spoken. We must wander the waters until the Koromor returns and serve him at his coming. And she goes on to say that, We are bound to the sea. The salt water courses in our veins. Most of us set no foot on land except to await another ship, another sailing. Strong men weep when they must serve ashore. Women ashore go onto a ship to bear their children, into a rowboat if no more is at hand. For we must be born on the water, and we must die on it and be given to it in death. Really interesting. Yeah, just a very different kind of cultural experience. Suddenly. Totally, totally. It's like the total opposite of the Aiel. Yeah. Um, she goes on to say that the fact that the Aes Sedai serve Rands, or, you know, the person she's seeing as the, the Koromor, also is in the prophecies, and it assures further that, you know, things are things are happening and they're being fulfilled. And Nynaeve is basically like, okay, are you going to take us or not? <laughs> <laughs> and Elaine is like biting her tongue and cringing. And the sail mistress says basically, Tanchico sucks. <laughs> I don't know why you want to go there. Last time you were there, people were desperate to leave. So why do you want to go to Tanchico? She's much more uh, 
st- you know, stern about it. Yeah. Elaine decides this is a moment where truth is needed and that they can, like, let them in on something because she's reading the room and she, she knows the difference between when you have to keep things close to the vest and she feels she can trust them. So she says that they're hunting the Black Aja to assure the safety of the Dragon Reborn, the Koromor. Joran speaks up from the table and says, We can take them, my sister. We must. And then Coin looks at her and nods in agreement. Just then, a broad-shouldered man with a scar along his face and two knives to either side bursts in the room. He's got this strange pair of glasses on his face, which Elaine cannot figure out. And yeah, he's... glasses don't exist other than on this guy's face. I mean, honestly, and she even mentions, like, she knows about eyewear from, like, the sea folk. She's heard of it. But these mm-hmm. in particular, she's like, I don't even know what those are. Um, yeah. And he's talking about trade, and it's Coin's husband, and he is the cargo master of the boat. And when she tells them, listen, we're going to be sailing to Chanchico this night, he's like, um, I have a whole plan. Like, I've been trading from, you know, Peter to pay Paul, and Paul, to, you know, <laughs> this is the whole plan. And uh, this is kind of messing with things. We're supposed to go to Mayin next and that's, you know, I have stuff here that's savory to them, and Tanchico, that's not going to work. And this ruins everything. But she says, you'll have to trust me, basically. And he's like, okay, you are the sale mistress. And he sighs and begrudgingly agrees and, exit, and exits. And she's like, I'm going to have to make this up to him. And <laughs> <laughs> after he leaves, they ask the girls if they wouldn't mind hiding the fact that their eyes had died because most on board would not take kindly to this, and says, if they knew they not only carried Aes Sedai, but were going toward a port where other Aes Sedai may serve the Father of Storms, then it basically is gonna, it's going to get ugly. The Father yeah. of Storms. I like the way they describe the, the Dark One. Yeah, I just love when there's, like, different words for the same thing based on their culture. Different cultures, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. So the girls remove their rings pretty quickly and put them away, and Coin says to them that since they serve the Koromor, she will honor them as she would any other sailmistress or windfinder of a neighboring ship. And they would, you know, normally share baths and drink honeyed wine and laugh together and cry together. But they have to make haste. And in that moment, the, shik's, the ship starts rocking wildly. And Coin scrambles up out of her seat and goes up above cabin to see if any damage has happened. And that is the end of the chapter. Mm. Mm. So now we've got the last chapter, which was Perrin running away from a big, loud, shaky, earthquakey gong. And now this is their experience of that same moment on the boat. Insane. What is going on? (laughs) Insane. Got no brain. I don't know what's happening. Who was that? What band was that? Oh, oh my gosh. Oh my Cypress gosh. Hill? No, no. Um, and how dare you? Cypress Hill is absolutely the singer of Insane in the Brain. Oh, is it? Okay, you got it. I'm sorry. Yes. I'm sorry. I was trying to think. Uh, I don't know who I thought it was going to be. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so that's that. I don't know what that big... It reminds me of when they were in the red uh, door. And like, you know, the mm. the bell was ringing out in there too. Because there were two Tavarian and... And it seemed like things were kind of shaking apart. Yes. It's reminiscent of that. So I don't know what's going Mm. on. Well, and here's the problem. You're not going to find out till January. I know. It took me everything inside of me not to read the next chapter. (laughs) 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 
yeah, 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 yeah. I so listeners, I convinced Matt that we should stop now with the book because the next few chapters, I told him I was like, you're going to be really, really mad if we have to stop after you read these chapters. So we're stopping now when it seems like an okay stopping point to start covering the TV show. Yeah, I mean, we're not even halfway through the book and it already feels like we're in that moment where the momentum is building for each of the characters separately. Yes. Um, Oh, boy. Some wild shit is about to happen. So I'm excited. I'm excited to pick it back up in January, but I'm also really excited to talk about the TV show. Me too. I'm beyond. I'm beyond. I'm so... I... I don't know what's going to come. Beyond lame and embarrassing. <laughs> I love that moment. She's beyond <laughs> lame and embarrassing. Lame and embarrassing. <laughs> oh, speaking of Lindsay if Lohan, you did you see she's going to be acting again? <sighs> she's um, in a Christmas... As, as what? She's in a Christmas movie coming out on Netflix, and they're like touting it as like her return to film. I don't care what anybody says. I'm totally going to watch it, for better or for worse. I cannot wait. He, here's one thing the world doesn't need. More Christmas music, more Christmas movies. Movies starring Lindsay Lohan. Uh, I disagree. <laughs> I disagree on all of those all of those things. I'm a I'm a Christmas head. You know me. I know you are. I can't stand Christmas music. Obsessed. Ugh. Obsessed. Can't wait. Well, should we do our closing? What about our favorite parts? Oh, right. Okay. The same. Parts. What was your favorite part? <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. Um, oh boy. My favorite part is the description of these two women uh, and the sea folk because it is always exciting to me to meet a new culture. It's like how I felt when we met the Aiel. I just love this like totally different representation, the, the jewelry they wear, the clothing that they wear, the clothing that they don't wear. Hey. Um, hey. And it reminded me of when we were doing our episode with Jenny and Tanner. Shout out both mm-hmm. of you. Um, and you guys were talking about Swan having tattoos and one yes. of you had mentioned, oh, there's a, a group of people that I haven't met yet that have tattoos. And I'm like, oh, hey. <laughs> yeah. So one, like my theory, I, I know people have lots of different theories. I'm wondering if they're kind of combining tear with the sea folk. And mm-hmm. so it's kind of like that Swan is from the combo tier sea folk folks. Um, I don't know if that ends up being true. Jenny said she had a another theory about that, which I have to see if she has an episode where she talks about that or if uh, she's only kind of like mentioned it on Twitter or something. Because mm. I'm, I'm curious what she thinks is happening. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited. So that was my favorite part was meeting these people and uh, like learning how they are with each other. And, you know, I, I mean, I also love Nynaeve being like a total curmudgeon. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's so good. But yeah, that's it. What about you? Especially when Nynaeve is told, like, you should really be tactful and patient. And then she's a monster and is like, I'm being tactful. I am! Um, I think my favorite part is just the interaction between Perrin and Gaul. Because I like to think that Perrin and Gaul are in love. And... Um, these are the the moments, not the first moments, because I think they started to fall in love when Perrin freed him from the cage. But I think that like one of the reasons Gaul is following him is because he's in love with Perrin. So oh, um, I can uh, I can get behind that. Yeah. So that's what that was my favorite. Part. I just like their relationship a lot. I think it's fun. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm also excited that there's more Aiel going with them. I like that they have like a little pack. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And there's conflict abounding already. I know. Drama, Rama. I mean, they're in the ways, like, the most dangerous, like, unknown area to a lot of these folks. And they're still, like, being petty. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, just, like, yes. And the fact that there are two literal warrior women who are, like, I am here for this drama. I'm going to travel the world via the most dangerous traveling method possible because I want to see what happens with this drama is pretty amazing. I kind of like see them as, uh, did you watch Daria? Yes. I kind of see them as like Quinn's friends in Daria. Oh. <laughs> Those like nasty girls. <laughs> Stacy and Tiffany? I think it was like Stacy, Stacy and Tiffany, right? Or something. <laughs> Wait, was there two Stacys? I feel like there was like a thing like that. Like there were two Stacys. I could be wrong. Stacy, Tiffany, and Brittany. Oh, Brit. No, Brittany was the blonde. Brittany yeah, was the and then there was Jody, Sandy, Sandy, so Sandy, Stif- Sandy, Stacy, and Tiffany. Okay, I was like, I know there was a third girl with like brown hair. Yes, oh, I I, whoever Daria. did Sandy's voice, I loved Sandy's voice on that show. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. The Fashion Club. I was like, what? Who were they? I knew they were. Uh, yeah, a group. Yeah. Well. Cool Story is an indie podcast, and if you enjoy listening to us and think that other folks might too, the best thing you can do is rate and review our podcast wherever you're listening, because that will help other people find us. And you're probably really popular, like the Fashion Club, and you have a lot of friends, so I'm sure they would love to listen to our podcast, so why don't you go out and tell them all about it? Yeah. And while you're talking to them, tell them about how our social media is Cool Story Pod on Instagram and Cool Story Pod One on Twitter. And you can email us at coolstorypod at gmail.com because we love hearing from you. And thank you so much for listening to Cool Story. See you next week. See you next week. Bye.